Christian, if I'm honest with you tonight, I'm very upset with a certain group of individuals. And tonight, when we go through the book Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices, written in the 1600s by Thomas Brooks, again, a great book that we've went through the last many episodes of the Bearing Precious Seed podcast tonight, you will realize that people are being led astray, not necessarily by evil people, but by false teachers who ultimately, if I'm honest, they're evil. Nothing burns me up more than false preachers, false teachers, and people who use the name of Christ to lead people straight to hell. Nothing burns me more than individuals who are leading people straight to hell by using the cross as an example to get them there. Tonight, Satan is using these false teachers, false preachers, and false doctrines to lead individuals straight to the depths of hell. You are listening to the BPS Podcast. Tonight's quote of the episode comes straight from Adrian Rogers, one of my favorite preachers. He says this, It is better to be divided by truth than to be united in error. It is better to speak the truth that hurts and then heals than falsehood that comforts and then kills. Let me tell you something, friend. It is not love and it is not friendship if we fail to declare the whole counsel of God. It is better to be hated for telling the truth than to be loved for telling a lie. It is impossible to find anyone in the Bible who was a power for God who did not have enemies and was not hated. It's better to stand alone with the truth than be wrong with a multitude. It is better to ultimately succeed with the truth than to temporarily succeed with a lie. There's only one gospel, and Paul said, If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. You're listening to the BPS Podcast. They have a congregation of over 45,000 people at their Lakewood Church in Houston, Texas, but Joel and Victoria Osteen share their message with millions of people around the world through their televised services. They touch even more people as they travel to different cities around the country for America's Night of Hope. It's a night of ministry dedicated to Jesus and faith. And this week, Joel and Victoria celebrate the 10th anniversary of the event at no place other than Yankee Stadium. Wow. They're here at Huffles Live right now to tell us more about it. Joel and Victoria Olsen. Good to see you both. Hey, thanks for having us, Mark. I often find myself retweeting you. I wake up and I see your messages and they inspire me. They excite me. I feel like the world is a little more bearable sometimes when you get wisdom, practical wisdom. Yeah. But there are other people who are also looking for religion. You make a distinction, as you just did, between sort of religion and what you're doing. What is that distinction and why is it important to you? Yeah, it's important to me because, of course, I grew up in this with my dad, you know, being a pastor, me being a preacher's kid. My father was very open, a, a lot like me in terms of, you know, some people grew up and see religion. It's, it's the rules. It's what you're doing wrong. You can never live up to it. It's, you know, you go to church to feel guilty, and most people feel guilty enough. Yeah. And so the difference to me is it's, it's just the connotations that it has, the, the connotation, I guess, is just, um, you know, that part. So I like to say, you know, we're just talking about a relationship with God. We're normal people. It's, it's just talking about living a, uh, a, a blessed life, being a blessing to other people, being happy, having good relationships. I believe that's what, you know, when Jesus was here on the earth, you know, when you read the Bible, he went to, 
He went to the marketplace. He went to, he didn't just stay in the synagogues and in the, in the temples of that day. And so that's what our message is about, is going to the everyday people. Um, you know, I, I realized a lot of people didn't grow up in this like me. You yeah. know, so they don't, this is all, it's different to them. But I try to take a little bit of that spookiness off and say, you know what, we're just, God is, is he's somebody that's for you. And, um, you know, he can help you. He can make life go better. Do you ever find that people don't see you two as regular people? As, despite all the messages of, look, we're ordinary folk. We just travel here around the world trying to spread this message of a relationship with God. That people still see you all up here as opposed to regular folk. Well, I don't know, really, because um, we feel people approach us just like they knew us. So oh. that makes us feel like that maybe we are just regular folk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's good to be it's good to be just regular. And I think, too, the message presents itself in a way that, you know, we face these same challenges. We're, we're not telling anyone to do anything that we don't do every single day, yeah. you know, because that's the way it is. You just got to kind of fight through with faith and and look for the positive and know that there are better days and try not to get stuck. Yeah. And it, it's not temporary. It's just a moment, you know. So we, uh, we, we, we have the greatest people out there who, who come up to us and tell us their stories, and it inspires us. In terms of rules, I mean, the big ones are easy, right? Like, you probably shouldn't steal. You probably yeah. shouldn't kill people. Um, those are things that probably all religions kind of agree on, right? There's no contention. But like an issue like gay marriage, people look to the ministers for, for, sure. for, uh, for leadership. Is that an issue that's for you against the rules? Um, you know, it, it, it would be, but Mark, I, I don't, you know, I don't really focus on a lot of those things. I try to stay in my lane of what I feel called to do. Mm. Now, that, that does come up in, in interviews and things, but just don't feel like that. That's not my core message. My core message is how do you, how do you have a healthy self-image? How do you let go of the past? How do you raise good children? How do you reach your dreams? Now, I know that is part of it. Yeah, because if you have 45,000 people, yeah. some of them are gay. It, 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 oh, yeah. For example, yeah. among Absol other things. Yeah. Absol absolutely, and everybody's welcome. But my, my take on it is, you know, it's easy to make one issue to become known for that or to, or to let it sidetrack your message. And, you know, if you look at our congregation or the people that come to Yankee Stadium, including myself, we all have issues. Everybody's on a journey. So I try to say, here's, here's my focus, here's my lane. You know, and that's that's kind of where I've, I've stayed in that. According to... Uh... ...to you, something that God showed me sitting out on that back porch. He put a picture, I've explained to you before, I'm a very visual person. So he speaks to me very often and putting a picture in my head. And it was as if I was raised up looking down on a community as I saw the church... In that particular dimension, certainly not all dimensions, not even many, but in what we will discuss tonight, the church as Jesus sees it in a particular dimension. Before class, for you online, I'll explain to you that I have asked some volunteers to come forward representing churches in a small town. Now, your own church may not be represented up here tonight. Your own church may not be by denomination on this stage. But all in the world we're doing here is giving a representative of all the rest. So what I'm going to ask you to do is that if you were appointed to be a volunteer this evening, would you make your way onto this stage? I was going to say, where is my other Methodist? I thought maybe you were missing church today. 
Now, mind you, of course, these would be filled with men and children. But this is a women's Bible study. So just have a little bit of imagination with me. When God showed me this in my imagination, they were large and packed full of people. And I was looking from way up here down on all of these. And I want to explain to you in just a moment what I saw. I want you to think back. As you were in your homework this week, which I just know you're doing, I just know you are, I want you to remember that we called a place by a fictitious name. We called it Less Than Land. I want you to picture that you have come with me to the town or to the village of Less Than Land. And I want to introduce you to what these churches are. What I've done in this particular class that makes this group so special, and I'm loving this about you who are online, we are a very interdenominational group. And so I've literally gotten to position people from these denominations and from these backgrounds into these groups. So that just thrills me. So this part, we're not playing. However, I have just made up the name from familiar names of churches that I've seen through the years. Right over here to my right, you see First United Methodist Church of Less Than Land. <laughs> right behind them, you would find, just down the street, just across the street, really, you've got Christ the Redeemer Lutheran Church. Every single one of my sisters in this area attends a Lutheran church, which thrills me. These all attend a Methodist church. I can't tell you how I love that kind of diversity. What I've asked these ladies to do right here, now this makes it a little bit different, because they do go to different churches. But what I've asked them to represent tonight to us is an African-American church that we're going to call Mount Zion Missionary Baptist Church. Is that good? Did I do good? Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Right back here, I want you to meet St. Anne's Catholic Church of Less Than Land. These ladies come, every single one of them, although they don't go to one Catholic church, every single one of them attend a Catholic church, probably right here in Houston. And I am so thrilled that they are here. In Jesus' name, I release the anointing, Lord, right now, for multiplication. I release the anointing. Pray, pray out loud. I want to hear you. Lord, multiplication. The seed they sowed, they're going to be blessed beyond measure. In Jesus' mighty name. And God's people said, now put it on the platform, please. Now, uh, give me the, the empty envelopes. All the empty envelopes. Timothy, hold those envelopes. All right. Now stretch your hands and pray. Come on, out loud. Lord, I declare property. Lord, I declare property. Lord, I declare property. I declare debt-free homes in the name of Jesus. Debt-free condos, debt-free apartments. Someone will walk up to these people and give them a, a check. They're going to get something back from the government. Some miracle will happen with a business. They'll get the money to pay off their house, pay off their condo, their apartment, and even get a new one. In Jesus' name. Properties will come their way in your holy name. And God's people said, Amen. Now listen to me and let the Lord lead you please on the instrument. I want you to come up and I want you to, to, to give something with 120 in it. You say, why 120? It's not a gimmick. 
120 is the number in the Bible for a new season. Every time there's a new season. 120, Noah is in the ark, 120 trumpets. Every time they blew the trumpets, a new season came to Israel. 120 in the upper room. When they came out of the upper room, a new season on the earth. So some of you need to give $1,200. You say, why? Well, because if it doesn't hurt, it doesn't work. If it doesn't hurt, it doesn't work. Sir, what are you believing God for? A, a property and a building for our church. Okay, it's a deal. Put your hands there. Wow. Seven months from now, you'll have it. No, no, I'm telling you right now. In seven months, you're going to have it. A lady is going to walk up to you and give you money for the property. See, God, God honors people who honor him. A lot of folks don't want to give God anything because they become hostile because they think this is a bunch of gimmicks. It works. You sow seed, you receive a harvest. In Jesus' name, Lord, property will come. In Romans, that what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature. What does that mean? The law wasn't enough leverage to change a human heart. Because try as we might, we could not keep the law. And what will really turn your heart to God is not when you hear his laws, which were given for our good, by the way, but they were powerless because there wasn't enough leverage in our action to keep the law. So what God did when he sent his son, and this is why we get excited in church, and this is why tears fill our eyes when we think about Jesus, and this is why the gospel is still good news in the world today, because God broke the law for love. I said to every sinner, God broke the law for love. Welcome back to the BPS Podcast. You just heard from four false teachers that are rolling through our churches today. The beginning, you heard Joel Osteen talking about gay marriage. You listened to Beth Moore give a false vision that God has given her towards different denominations. Then you heard Benny Hinn using a prosperity gospel. And then fake news, Furtick, is pulling out. You like how I did that? Fake news, Furtick, is pulling out how Jesus Christ broke the law for love, meaning he was a sinner. Oh my goodness, this is all false teaching at the highlight of it. Tonight, precious remedies against Satan's devices. Device number 11 is this. By polluting and defiling the souls and judgments of men with such dangerous errors, which in their proper tendency tend to carry the souls of men to all looseness and wickedness, as woeful experience does abundantly evidence. Ah, how many are there filled with these and such like Christ-dishonoring and soul-undoing opinions? That is, that the scriptures are full of fallacies and uncertainties, and no further to be heeded. Then they agree with their own carnal thoughts. That is a poor, low thing, if not idolatry too, to worship God in a mediator. That the resurrection is already past. That there was never such man or person as Jesus Christ. But that all is an allegory. People also believe that there is no God, nor devil, heaven, or hell, but what is within us. That sin and grace are equally good, with a hundred other horrid opinions which have caused wickedness to break in as a flood among us. What is happening here is that these false teaching and false preaching are leading people to Christ's dishonoring and soul-undoing opinions. People believe that the scriptures are full of fallacies and uncertainties, and that they don't even need to listen to the scriptures. 
people have the idea that the, it's not idolatry to worship other gods or that the resurrection is not real or that it's all an allegory or that Christ is not real or that God or nor the devil nor heaven nor hell is real or that sin and grace are the same. It's all false teaching that we've seen time and time again. And this is exactly what Satan does to individuals and many and a majority of Christians are being led astray by device number 11. Every denomination teaches differently and if you go to a denomination that does not preach and teach strictly the Bible you are being tripped and tricked by device number 11 and you are believing false teaching remedy number one against this device of Satan is solemnly to consider that the erroneous vain mind is as odious to God as a wicked life he who had the leprosy in his head was to be pronounced utterly unclean. Gross errors make the heart foolish and render the life loose. Error spreads and frets like a gangrene and renders the soul a leper in the sight of God. The breath of the erroneous is infectious and, like the dogs of Congo, they bite though they bark not. It was God's heavy and dreadful plague upon the Gentiles to be given up to a mind void of judgment, or an injudious mind, or a mind rejected, disallowed, abhorred of God, or a mind that none have caused to glory in, but rather to be ashamed of. I think that in these days, God punishes many men's former wickednesses by giving them up to soul-ruining errors. O oh Lord, this mercy I humbly beg, that you would rather take me into your own hand and do anything with me than to give me up to those sad errors to which thousands have married their souls and are in the way of perishing forever. It were best that we never erred, next to that, that we amended our error. To persist in error is diabolical. Let me repeat that. To persist or continue in error is diabolical. Remedy number two against this device of Satan is to receive the truth affectionately and let it dwell in your souls plenteously. When men stand out against the truths, when truth would enter and men bar the door of their souls against the truth, God in justice gives up such souls to be deluded and deceived by error to the eternal undoings. Sirs, as you love your souls, do not tempt God, do not provoke God by your withstanding truth to give you up to believe a lie that you may be damned. There are no men on earth so fenced against error as those are that receive the truth in the love of it. Such souls are not easily tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness wherein they lie in wait to deceive. It is not he who receives most of the truth into his head, but he who receives most of the truth affectionately into his heart, who shall enjoy the happiness of having his judgment sound and clear, when others shall be deluded and deceived by them, who make it their business to infect the judgments and to undo the souls of men. The greatest sinners are sure to be the greatest sufferers. As you would not have your judgments polluted and defiled with error, let the word of the Lord, which is more precious than gold, yes, than fine gold, dwell plenteously in you. In Colossians 3.16.
Let it well in you as an engrafted word incorporated into your souls, so digested by you as that you turn it into a part of yourselves. Make God's word a part of you. It is not the hearing of truth, nor the knowing of truth, nor the commending of truth, nor the talking of truth, but the indwelling of the truth in your souls, which will keep your judgments chaste and sound in the midst of all those glittering errors that betray many souls into his hands, who can easily transform himself into an angel of light in 2 Corinthians 11:14, that he may draw others to lie in chains of darkness with him forever. Let not the word be a stranger, but make it your choicest familiar. Fall in love with the word of God. Then you will be able to stand in the day wherein many shall fall on your right hand and on your left by the subtlety of those who shall say, Lo, here is Christ, or lo, there is Christ. If truth dwell plenteously in you, you are happy. If not, you are unhappy under all your greatest felicity. Truth at last triumphs. Remedy number three against the device of Satan is to consider that error makes the owner to suffer loss. All the pains and labor that men take to defend and maintain their errors, to spread abroad and infect the world with their errors, shall bring no profit nor no comfort to them in that day, wherein every man's work shall be made manifest, and the fire shall try it of what sort it is, as the apostle shows in that remarkable scripture, 1 Corinthians 3.11-15. That those who rise early and go to bed late, that spend their time, their strength, their spirits, their all, to advance and spread abroad God-dishonoring and soul-undoing opinions, would seriously consider this, that they shall lose all their pains, costs, and charge that they have been or shall be at for the propagating of error. And if they are ever saved, it shall be by fire. It is nothing to lay out your money for that which is not bread, and your strength for that which is not, which cannot profit you in the day that you must make up your account, and all your works must be tried by fire. Error as glass is bright, but brittle, and cannot endure the hammer or fire as gold can, which, though gold is rubbed and melted, remains firm and lustrous. Souls, we should buy the truth and sell it not. Proverbs twenty three twenty three. Remember, you can never overbuy it, whatever you give for it. You can never sufficiently sell it if you should have all the world in exchange for truth. It is said of Caesar that he had greater care of his books than of his royal robes. For swimming through the waters to escape his enemies, he carried his books in his hand above the waters, but lost his robes. Soul, what are Caesar's books to God's books? Well, remember this, that one day, yes, one hour spent in the study of truth or the spreading abroad of truth will yield the soul more comfort and profit than many thousand years spent in the study and spreading abroad of corrupt and vain opinions which have their rise from hell and not from heaven, from the God of this world and not from the God who at last shall judge the world and all the corrupt opinions of men. The fourth opinion against this device of Satan is to hate, reject, and abominate all those doctrines and opinions which are contrary to godliness and which open a door to profaneness 
and all such doctrines and opinions which require men to hold forth a strictness above what the Scripture requires, and all such doctrines and opinions which advance the and lift up corrupted nature to the doing of supernatural things, which none can do but at by the last supernatural power that raised Christ from the grave. Stay away from such opinions which lift our own righteousness in the room of Christ's, which place good works in the throne of Christ and makes them co-partners with Christ. Throw away all those opinions and doctrines which do set up and cry up Christ and His righteousness as to cry down all duties of holiness and righteousness and all those doctrines and opinions which make the glorious and blessed privileges of believers in the days of the gospel to be lesser, fewer, and weaker than they were in the time of the law. Did your souls arise with a holy hatred and a strong indignation against such doctrines and opinions? You would stand when others fall, and you would shine as the sun in his glory, when many who were once as shining stars may go forth as stinking snuffs. Gideon had seventy sons and but one illegitimate child, and yet that illegitimate child destroyed all the rest. Judges 8.13 One turn may bring a man quite out of the way. One old piece of gold is worth a thousand new counterfeits, and one truth of God is worth more than a thousand new errors. True hatred is against all errors. It is sad to frown upon one error and smile upon another. The fifth remedy against this device of Satan is to hold fast the truth. As men take no hold on the arm of the flesh until they let go of the arm of God, Jeremiah 17.5, so men take no hold on error until they have let go of truth. Therefore, hold fast the truth, 2 Timothy 1.13, Titus 1.9. Truth is your crown. Hold fast your crown and let no man take your crown from you. Has not God made truth sweet to your soul, sweeter than honey or honeycomb? And will not you go on to heaven feeding upon truth, that heavenly honeycomb, as Samson did of his honeycomb? Have you not found truth sweetening your spirits, and cheering your spirits, and warming your spirits, and raising your spirits, and corroborating your spirits? Have not you found truth a guide to lead you, a staff to uphold you, a cordial to strengthen you, and medicine to heal you? And will not you hold fast to truth? Has not truth been your best friend in your worst days? Has not truth stood by you when friends have forsaken you? Has not truth done more for you than all the world could do against you? And will you not hold fast the truth? Is not truth your right eye, which without you cannot see for Christ? And your right hand, which without you cannot do for Christ? And your right foot, which we cannot walk with Christ? And will you not hold fast the truth? Hold fast the truth in your judgments and understandings, in your wills and affections, in your profession and conversation. Truth is more precious than gold or rubies, and all the things you can desire are not to be compared to her. Proverbs 3.15 Truth is that heavenly mirror wherein we may see the luster and glory of divine wisdom, power, greatness, love, and mercifulness. In this mirror you may see the face of Christ, the favor of Christ, the riches of Christ, and the heart of Christ, beating and working sweetly towards your souls. Let your souls cleave unto truth as Ruth did to Naomi, and say this, I will not leave truth, nor return from following after truth, but where truth goes, I will go, and where truth lodges, I will lodge, and nothing but death shall part truth and my soul. 
It is better to let go of anything rather than truth. It is better to let go of your honors and riches, your friends and pleasures, and the world's favors, yes, your nearest and dearest relations, yes, your very lives, than to let go of truth. Keep the truth, and the truth will make you safe and happy forever. Blessed are those who are kept by truth. Remedy number six against this device of Satan is to keep humble. Humility will keep the soul free from many darts of Satan's castings and erroneous snares of his spreading. As low trees and shrubs are free from many violent gusts and blasts of wind which shake and tear the taller trees, so humble souls are free from those gusts and blasts of error which shake and tear proud, lofty souls. Satan and the world have least power to fasten errors upon humble souls. The God of light and truth delights to dwell with the humble, and the more light and truth dwells in the soul, the further off darkness and error will stand from the soul. The God of grace pours in grace into humble souls, as men pour drink into empty vessels, and the more grace is poured into the soul, the less error shall be able to overpower the soul or to infect the soul. I have read of one who, seeing in a vision so many snares of the devil spread upon the earth, he sat down mourning and said within himself, Who shall pass through these? Whereupon he heard a voice answering, Humility shall pass through them. The proud soul is like him who gazed upon the moon, but fell into the pit. You need to know how to apply that. The seventh remedy against this device of Satan is to consider the great evils that errors have produced. Error is a fruitful mother and has brought forth such monstrous children as has set towns, cities, and nations on fire. Errors in conscience produce many great evils not only in men's own souls, but also in human affairs. Error is that horsewoman that has cast down many, wounded many, yet slain many strong men, many great men, many learned men, many professing men in former times and in our time, as is too evident to all who are not destitute of the truth and blinded by Satan. The graces that error has weakened, and the sweet joys and comforts that error has clouded, if not buried. The hands that error has weakened, the eyes that error has blinded, the judgments of men that whole errors have perverted, and the minds that error have darkened, the hearts that error has hardened, the affections that error has cooled, the consciousness that error has seared, and the lives of men that error has polluted. Souls, can you solemnly consider and not tremble more at error than at hell itself? Everything wrong in our churches, in our nation, and in our world is due to falsehoods and false teachings. All the pain you've ever felt and all the false teaching that you've ever heard and all these people that you've been watching all these years lead others astray, they are the problem in God's church. False teaching is leading more people to hell than any other means. We must stand for truth, even if truth gets us killed. You're listening to the BPS Podcast. It's your favorite time of the entire podcast episode, the Christian dad joke. Here it is. Who was the greatest comedian in the Bible? Again, who was the greatest comedian in the Bible? 
Well, it was Samson. He brought the house down. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that joke of the episode. I am William Wallace. And I see a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. You've come to fight as free men. And free men you are. What will you do without freedom? Will you fight? Fight and you may die. Run and you'll live. At least a while. And dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives? But they'll never take our freedom! Welcome to this segment of Food for Thought, where we give you food for your thought when it comes to controversial issues and topics. You just listened to a clip from Braveheart, where William Wallace, who's played by Mel Gibson, is leading an entire army to fight. They are ready for war. They are ready to fight until they die. Well... My question to you, Christian, with this food for thought is, should a Christian participate or enlist in the army or in battle? If there is another civil war or another world war, should Christians participate in battle and war? Would God warrant us to be in fighting and wars? Does the scriptures give us room to enlist and enroll in these kinds of things? Should the Christian be in the military and should a Christian fight in a war. You're listening to the BPS podcast. We appreciate you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of the Bearing Precious Seed podcast and I challenge you to work for the night is coming.